side to a piece of the climax of Lanark. He was knee-deep in a cold, quick little burn, gurgling over big, rounded stones, some black, some grey, some speckled like oatmeal. He tugged some of the stones out and carefully flung them onto the bank, a yard or two upstream where Alexander, about ten years old, very brown and wearing red underpants, was building a dam with them. The hot sun on Lanark's neck, the chill water round his legs, the ache in his back and shoulders suggested he'd been doing this for a long time. He hauled out an extra large black and dripping boulder, heaved it into the heather, then climbed up and lay flat on his back beside it, breathing hard. He closed his eyes against the profound blue, and the dazzle came hot, dark red through his lids. He could hear the water and the click of stones. Alexander said, This water keeps getting through. Plug the holes with moss and gravelly stuff. I don't believe in God, you know, said Alexander. Lanark blinked sideways and watched him wrenching clods from the bank. He said, Oh? He doesn't exist. Grandpa told me. Which Grandpa? Everyone has two. The one who fought in France in the First War. Give me a lot of that moss. Without sitting up, Lanark plucked handfuls from a dank, mossy cushion nearby and chucked them lazily over. Alexander said, The first war was the most interesting, I think, even though it had no Hitler or atomic bombs. You see, it mostly happened at one place, and it killed more soldiers than the second war. Wars are only interesting because they show how stupid we can be. Say that sort of thing as much as you like, said Alexander amiably, but it won't change me. Anyway, Grandpa says there isn't a god. People invented him. They invented motor cars, and there are motor cars. That's nothing but words. Shall we go for a walk now? I can show you Rima, if you like. Lanark sighed and said, All right, Sandy. He stood up while Alexander climbed out of the burn. Their clothes lay on a flat rock, and they had to shake small red ants out of them before dressing. Alexander said, Of course, my real name is Alexander. What does Rima call you? Alec, but my real name is Alexander. I'll try to remember that. Good. They walked down the burn to a place where it vanished into a dip in the moor. Lanark saw it fall from his feet down a reddish rock into a pool at the head of a deep glen full of bushes and trees, mostly birch, rowans and small oaks. A couple, partly screened by the roots of a fallen mountain ash, lay on some grass beside the pool. The woman seemed asleep, and Lanark saw more of the man who was reading a newspaper. He said, That isn't Sludden. No, that's Kirkwood. We don't see Sludden nowadays. Why not? Sludden became too dependent. Uh, Kirkwood isn't? Not yet. Sandy, do you think Rimmer would like to see me? Alexander looked uncertainly into the glen, then pointed the other way, saying, Wouldn't you like to walk with me to the top of that hill? Uh, yes, uh, I would. They turned and walked uphill toward a distant green summit. Alexander flung himself down for a rest at the top of the first slope, and did the same thing halfway up the next. 
Soon he was resting for two minutes every minute or two. Lanark said irritably, You don't need to rest as much as this. I know how much rest I need. The sun won't hang around the sky forever, Sandy, and it bores me sitting still so often. It bores me walking all the time. Well, I'll go on at a slow, steady pace, and you catch up with me when you like, said Lanark, standing. Yeah, cried Alexander in a strong, whining note. You must be right all the time, mustn't you? You won't leave anyone in peace, will you? You have to spoil everything, haven't you? Lanark lost his temper, thrust his face towards Alexander's and hissed, You hate visiting the country, don't you? Have I been howling and whiling like this all the time? If I hated the country, I would have been, wouldn't I? Stand up. No, you'll hit me. I certainly will not. Stand up. Alexander stood up, looking worried. Lanark went behind him, gripped his body under the armpits, and with a strong heave managed to sit him on his shoulders. Staggering slightly, he set off through a plantation of tiny fir trees. A minute later, Alexander said, You can put me down now. Lanark plodded on up the slope. I said, you can put me down. I can walk now. Not till we leave these trees. The weight at first had been so heavy that Lanark told himself he could only walk ten paces. But after that, he went another ten and then another. And now he thought happily, I could carry him forever by taking ten steps at a time. But he put him down at the far side of the plantation and rested on the heather while Alexander hurried ahead. Eventually Lanark followed and overtook him on a ridge where heather and coarse brown grass gave place to a carpet of turf. The land here dipped into a hollow, then rose to the steep cone of the summit. Alexander said, You see that white thing on top? Yes. It's a triangle point. A triangulation point. That's right, a triangle point. Come on. Lanark start, sorry, Alexander started straight toward the summit. Lanark said, Stop, Sandy, that's the difficult way. We'll take this path to the right. The straight way is the shortest. I can see it is. But it's the steepest too. This path keeps to the high ground. It will save a lot of effort. You go that way then. I will, and I'll reach the top before you do. This path was made by sensible people who knew which way was the quickest. You go that way then, said Alexander, and rushed straight down into the hollow between there and the summit. Lanark walked up the path at an easy pace. The air was fresh and the sun was warm. He thought how good it was to have a holiday. The only sound was the weep-weep of a distant moorbird, the only cloud a faint white smudge in the blueness over the hilltop. In the hollow in his left, he sometimes saw Alexander scrambling over a ridge and thought tolerantly, silly of him, but he learned from experience. He was wondering sadly about Alexander's life with Rimmer when the path became a ladder of sandy toe-holes kicked into the steepening turf. From here the summit seemed a great green dome, and staring up at it, Lanark saw an amazing sight. Up the left-hand curve, Silhouetted against the sky, a small human figure was quickly climbing. Lanark sighed with pleasure, halted, and looked away into the blue. He said, Thank you, and for a moment glimpsed the ghost of a man scribbling in a bed littered with papers. Lanark smiled and said, 
No, old Nassler, it isn't you I thank, but the cause of the ground which grew us all. I have never given you much thought, Mr. Cause, for you don't repay that kind of effort, and on the whole I have found your world bearable rather than good. But in spite of me and the sensible path, Sandy is reaching the summit all by himself in the sunlight. He is up there enjoying the whole great globe that you gave him, so I love you now. I am so content that I don't care when contentment ends. I don't care what absurdity, failure, death I am moving toward. Even when your world has lapsed into black nothing, it will have made sense because Sandy once enjoyed it in the sunlight. I am not speaking for mankind. If the poorest orphan in creation has reason to curse you, then everything high and decent in you should go to hell, yes! Go to hell, go to hell, go to hell as often as there are victims in your universe. But I am not a victim. This is my best moment. Speaking purely as a private person, I admit you to the kingdom of heaven, and this admission is final, and I will not revoke it. Near the top of the slope, he began to grow breathless. The turf of the summit was broken by low gnarls of rock. The concrete triangulation pillar stood on one, and Alexander was using it as a backrest. He had the air of a man sprawling on a comfortable sofa in his own house, and seemed not to see Lanark at first, then patted invitingly the rock beside him, and when Lanark sat down, he leaned against him, and they looked a long time at the view. In spite of their height, the sea was only a soft, dark line on the horizon. The land up to it was wide, low hills given over to pasture, and there were strips of windbreak wood with half-neaked fields of grain in the valleys between. Lanark and Alexander faced a steep, wide... I'm sorry. Lanark and Alexander faced a steep side of the hill which sloped straight down to a red-roofed town with crooked streets and a small, ancient palace. This had round towers with conical roofs, and a walled garden open to the public. Many figures were moving between the bright bushes and flower beds, and there was a full car park outside. Alexander said, It would be nice to go down there. Yes. But Mum might worry. Yes, we must go back. They sat a little longer, and when the sun was three quarters across the sky, they rose and descended to the moor by a path which led round a small loch. Two men with thick moustaches, one carrying a rifle, came up the path and nodded to Lanark as they passed. The rifleman said, Shall I shoot the delegate? And the other laughed and said, No, no, we mustn't kill our delegate. Shortly after, Alexander said, Some jokes make me tremble with fear. I'm sorry. It can't be helped. Are you really a delegate? Lanark had been pleased by the recognition, but said firmly, Not now. I'm on holiday just now. The loch was embanked as a reservoir on one side, and on the grass of the embankment a dead seagull lay with outspread wings. Alexander was fascinated, and Lanark picked it up. They looked at the yellow beak with the raspberry spot under the tip, the pure grey back and the snowy breast which seemed unmarked. Alexander said, Should we bury it? That would be difficult without tools. We could build a cairn over it. They collected stones from the shingle of the lock side and heaped them over the glossy feathers of the unmarked body. Alexander said, 
What happens to it now? It rots and insects eat it. There are a lot of red ants around here. They'll pick it to a skeleton quite fast. Skeletons are interesting things. Could we come back for it tomorrow? No, it probably needs several weeks to reach the skeleton stage. Then say a prayer. You told me you didn't believe in God. I don't, but a prayer must be said. Put your hands like this and shut your eyes. They stood on each side of the knee-high cairn, and Manard shut his eyes. You begin by saying, Dear God. Dear God, said Lanark, we are sorry this gull died, especially as it looks young and healthy, apart from being dead. Let there be many young living gulls to enjoy the speed and freshness this one missed, and give us all enough happiness and courage to die without feeling cheated. Moreover, he hesitated. A voice whispered, Say Amen. Amen. Something cold stung his cheek. He opened his eyes and saw the sky dark with torn, onrushing clouds. He was alone with nothing at his feet but a scatter of stones with old bones and feathers between them. He said, Sandy, and looked around. There was nothing human on the moor. The light was fading from two or three sunset streaks in the clouds to the west. The heather was crested with sleet. The wind whipped more of it into his face. Sandy! He screamed, starting to run. Sandy! Sandy! Alexander! He plunged across the heather, tripped and fell into darkness. He wrestled a while with something entangling, then realised it was blankets and sat up.